Hey guys, welcome to episode eight of the Worldwide Knicks podcast, the official, I guess, official international Knicks fan podcast. <laughs> uh, I just totally, you know, took that title. I didn't verify it with anyone else, but we're just claiming it. It's fine. Welcome to another episode of the pod. Omar here with you alongside Rafa and Alex. How are you guys doing on uh, this fine Halloween evening? Yeah, all good. All good, Omar. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I didn't get any Halloween candy yet, so I got to go, you know, here oh, in, the, in the U.S. It, the tradition is you go to the store the next day and get all the discount stuff. So, oh, you know, that that's what I'll be doing. No, I didn't. My, my, my kids have got it all. That's why you've not got any. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what I get for, you know, not having kids, you know. it's. Um, <laughs> but you were on the good. You were the, the winner of the group. <laughs> I'm, I mean, you know, sometimes you lose. No one's perfect. You know, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah so uh yeah thanks again uh for joining us guys for another episode a lot to talk about this week uh, you know last week we were we recorded right before the Knicks played Orlando so we got <laughs> to take in four games this week as opposed to three you know we'll rattle off the results and kind of talk about a few key things that kind of stuck out to us as opposed to just breaking down every game because, you know, everyone does that. It's got to be different. The Knicks went 3-1 last week, so good job, Rafa and Alex, on successfully predicting that. You know, I was being pessimistic, said 2-2. Two and two, And, uh, you know, I, 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 I honestly thought, guys, that they would drop one of the two to Philly and Chicago. As I mentioned last week, I kind of had a little hunch that they might slip up against Orlando, and they did. But uh, all in all, 3-1, and that's an excellent week. The Knicks stand at 5-1. and one. Tied for first place in the Eastern Conference uh, as of right now with uh, the Heat, the Wizards, and I think one more team. You know, overall, good week. I want to just jump into what happened uh, throughout the week. And the first thing was a kind of a common theme. I want to say, I guess, in every game but the Philly game, right? Yeah. Uh, these late game leads that just evaporate and the offense disappears had the lead against Orlando, end up blowing it and not coming back, have a scoring drought against Chicago for the last three minutes of the game that had totally erased a 12-point lead. And luckily, you know, RJ was able to defend DeRozan on that final shot to get the win. And, uh, you know, we almost uh, almost blew it against uh, New Orleans last night. So, guys, uh, you know, what do, what do you think is going on here? You, you said about the Sixers game, but the Sixers game had it had its moments of um, this is going the wrong way. You started they started to lose that lead. There was a few there's a few nervous moments in there, but they kind of yeah managed to pull it out. I don't I, if that was Sixers are pretty much all about Embiid when he's playing, and Embiid was I'd, I'd love to say Mitch just played him off the court, but you know he was clearly not right, you know, and he was. He was done after about three quarters in bid, so uh, I think that that obviously helped us as us kind of keep the lead in the fourth and 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 kind of come away with a, a fairly straightforward forward win. But it was it was such a fantastic game though, so I don't want to take the credit away from the Knicks at all. Uh, you can only beat what's in front of you and all that. So, but yeah, I think I think Embiid Embiid being pretty much gassed by that point, I think it's got to be the the deciding factor in that. It is slightly worrying. I mean, it's typical typical Knicks fans, you know, always looking for the some negatives about the, you know, being be, having such an amazing record. But yeah, the the fourth quarter thing is a bit of a worry. Um, must admit. So I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that 
But uh, what are you thinking, Rafa? They're keeping the Knicks PTSD alive. That's for sure. Because mm. there's there's nothing that nothing is safe. I'm I'm saying okay, this game is lost. But then they hit a big shot, and they okay, it's we're safe. And I don't know what happens. We're playing a good offense all game. We're controlling the games uh, with the Bulls and uh, with the Pelicans especially. We're we will always hovering that ten point lead, always controlling games. And then we come to late game situations, and I don't know, the offense stops working. I don't. We start. I mean, I don't want to blame Julius Randle because, okay, let's give him the ball because he, he's our guy. It's not blaming him, but if it doesn't work one or two times, stop going to it. You can't go mm. a game against Chicago, especially imagine if this is in the playoffs, going the last three minutes of a game, not scoring. Imagine if that happened in game seven of the, of the Eastern Conference Finals. That would be huge. It's important that we're holding on to these leads makes them learn that from from that but the bull with the bulls we played well not great all games because we wreaked the house with uh with with the Orlando with orlando magic and the uh, last 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 night's game with uh new orleans wasn't good as well if it wasn't for rj barrett and kemba hitting another another five threes this was been a lot different the game against The New Orleans last night, the only good thing about it, despite of the, that late night, uh, late um, late game situation, was that we got someone to close out the game and controlling the pace, controlling the offense and making getting it done. It wasn't the last shot for the Rosen that missed or something like that. So it's important that we, we took that game. We said, okay, but we're here, we're going to, to win it. And RJ took it. Those threes showed a lot of confidence. And if If we have our closer in the team, let him come out. I mean, Randall can do the whole three quarters and RJ can close. I mean, we, we need a closer no matter who it is. So what you mentioned, Rafa, is something that you and I were kind of going back and forth on. I kind of want to bring it up here on the pod is this NBA style of play thing where yeah. you have your guy, whether it's, you know, just step away from the Knicks, whether it's like, Miami with LeBron when he was there, Bucks with Giannis. You know, when it gets tight and there's like four or five minutes left in the game and it's close, you just give it to your guy and let your guy work, right? And that's the NBA way, which is a big contrast to like international basketball, right? Because in international ball, it's all about flow of the offense, running the offense and getting the ball to the best in the best situation, whether that's in our case, whether that would be Julius taking a shot or finding Kemba or RJ for the shot. So that's kind of like the weird dichotomy there that you you look at the NBA and the NBA is all about, yeah, give it to your guy and let your guy go ahead and take you home. The problem is, is that our guy hasn't really been taking us home. So, you know, he's But, kind of been working his way through the season right now. I mean, I think, I think it's, um, you know, most people agree that, that – You know, if we are a contending team, then then Julius is probably not the guy anyway. And 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 I also just want to make a point that you know I love Julius. Last season he was incredible, and you know this season, you know his his struggles have been a little bit overplayed. But you know he's not he's not beyond criticism, and and I, I think he would be the first one to say himself. You know when he's struggling, when he's not happy with how he's played. You know I don't think. 
you know this kind of blind blind loyalty where you just you, you can't criticize a player like that you know he has his faults and sometimes he goes back into his his old ways you know he's just driving into double triple teams and and and, and just kind of losing the ball but I actually made a when in the Sixers game, just in the second quarter, he did, he did actually. I made a note of it because uh, it was really important. Uh, really important. I actually rewound and watched it again. That he was up against uh, Harris, and there was there was a double team come, and he backed it down, backed it down, and usually the the kind of old Randall, if you want to call him that, would have uh, just forced forced a shot, a bad shot, mid range shot, but he just passed it off to. To Mitch and it was a beautiful pass and it's exactly what he should be doing in those situations and the way the rosters improved this summer um, was that we've got all these extra shooters RJ's improved his shot, Forney's there Kemba's there, even Rose isn't shooting incredible from outside, he needs to drive into these double teams and kick it out I mean he's, he's, he's capable of doing it as well, his assist numbers went through the roof last year they're still there this year um, there's no reason why he can't kind of play iso ball, but then as soon as the double team comes, the ball moves. The ball moves to the outside, and there's a there's a nice open shot there for somebody. That's that's the way. From me as an observer, I, I think you know we should be playing. But we've talked again about the fact that some of it, <coughs> some of this has to come down to tips as well. Randall's not like. I think I think Jonathan Macri mentioned this in his pod that you know it's not as if like Tips is calling plays and Randall's waving them off and saying no 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 this is my team I've taken it on the back I'm I'm here to close out the game you know these are clearly plays that have been called and you know Randall Randall probably as a leader probably feels like he needs to he needs to do it you know but there's there's open guys all all over you know um, it's just really frustrating to watch but. I say I find it hard to complain a bit of, you know, the record we have, but it's, it is a worry, you know. Tibbs kind of, he, that's his thing, though, right? Think about it. Mm. Like when he was coaching as an assistant with the Knicks, what's what's the late game plan? Dump it into Patrick Ewing and let him work. When sure. he was with Chicago, what's the what's the plan? Give it to Jimmy Butler or Derrick Rose or whoever is your main guy. And same thing in Minnesota, and let him work. And and now he he's like, all right, oh my guy's Julius Randle. I just gotta let him work. But in that, I think I don't know if you want to elaborate maybe on this, Rafa. Is that the problem with uh, the way the Knicks' depth and offense is? You know, we'll talk a little bit more about the offense later. The way the t- the team is constructed is that one night Evan could be the guy, another night RJ could be the guy, another guy Julius, and another guy Kemba could be the guy. And then not even to mention that we might have the best second unit in the league right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, now I know that might sound like just Knicks fans speak, but I think it's very true because this the expectation is, oh, I got to dump it off to my guy. But your roster is constructed as such that you don't really need to just have to do that. This isn't Allen Iverson on the Sixers when he was the only offensive threat, right? This yeah. is a situation where you have guys outside of like Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel and Taj can, that can score at every single level at any point in the game. So I think you have you make a good point when it comes to, yeah, he needs to maybe try and not just call default to calling the Julius ISO plays. You know, think about maybe running a quick dribble handoff play for RJ or Evan Fournier or 
think about doing tonight because it just feels so unimaginative when you have this plethora of weapons at your disposal. Yeah, that's that's the thing I was going to touch because one thing uh, we saw in the Boston game, uh, especially in the I think it was the first OT when uh, Evan Fournier go, goes crazy with all those threes, those were plays made with Randall. Randall had the ball, but he didn't go into the one on one or the one on three like he uh, he, he was doing in some of the uh, games uh, later on. He can have the ball, he, he can pass it, he can make amazing passes. But that's a, that's the thing we saw. Uh, especially against um, Chicago. Yeah, against Chicago. He was trying that, uh, like we, we, like what we call hero ball. And we don't need to, to play that hero ball. I mean, we were having a game plan. We were always leading the Bulls. And that's why I, I thought about, uh, we, we talked about coaching staff. I mean, we never get out of a, a timeout with a good play. We, it's, I mean, how can you have two times to end down the ball like uh, with Burks and both times you have nothing. It's crazy. I'm like, what, what are they doing? It's, it's, it's frustrating. The thing about Randall on offense, he's having some games where he's uh, struggling a bit. I think Randall, from what I saw, he's a volume shooter. He needs to shoot a lot. Some things uh, last year, we, we saw so many times, even the, not even the first quarter, maybe the first half, he wasn't having uh, great numbers offensively. He had like six points or seven points, uh, but he was continuing to shoot, maybe missing, but he was continuing to, to have uh, his shots. And now in, in the second, because he was, he was the only one, or him or uh, Barrett or uh, Peyton trying to do something. But Randall was shooting and shots began to, co to go down and he continued to shoot and he got his 30 points and he's 25 or 28. So I think he needs to get on the with the new offense as well this is important it's important to him to find his space in this new offense knowing that he is not the only weapon and obviously these are real concerns that we have right like and like you mentioned Alex it feels a little kind of cheeky by us as like oh we're gonna we're if somebody just listened to us talk like we well, would think that the Knicks <laughs> were 0 and 6 you know <laughs> but you know they're five and one so what does this mean I guess long term for the this team because the team's still winning you know outside of the, the blown game at orlando where they were just missing every open three that they took is this going to be do you guys think this might come back to haunt the team down the road whether it be fighting for playoff position later in the regular season or in the first or potentially second round of the playoffs well I, 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 no i don't think so i think it's just going to take time to get to get used to this new this, this new system i mean you got to remember there's two there's two new starters on the team there's we've just talked about how Randall's roles changed a lot so I mean there's with the starting unit I mean the bench unit's uh, fairly set but the um the starters are, you know there's quite there's, there's been quite a big change there so I think it's just going to take a bit of time and there's been quite a big change in in the the, the style as well with you know Kemba and Forney are quite a bit different to what to what we had before they're not just straight up replacements especially Phony and um, and Bullock, <laughs> Kemba and, and Peyton as well, of course. Um, <laughs> they, One um, could argue that the, the Kemba-Peyton swap is a bigger deal, Alex, but, you know, go <laughs> off. You do you. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. Sorry, I, I don't know why I mentioned Phony and Bullock first. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a huge change there, so it's just going to take time. I'm, I'm convinced of that. So, And we've already seen huge, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, about uh, huge strides that Kemba's made recently 
not just with his shooting, but with his, uh, his uh, defending as well. I'll tell you what, if they were losing these games, it would be a lot more concerning because they would get maybe would get in their heads or losing some confidence. But winning, I mean, everything is better when you win. And so is, okay, we won these games, we failed, but we still won it. So we're good enough to do it. That's what I mentioned at the top. R.J. Barrett taking that game like he was doing it, he did it all of his career, taking that game, those big shots, and the, those three step-back threes. I mean, what? Who's that player? I mean, I love him. It gives me confidence and winning, they will, they will figure it out. Like Alex said, with time, it, uh, it will improve. And the Philly game was fairly easy. We just controlled it and then take the foot off the gas, for example. Yeah, and it's something I think I, I mentioned in our group chat, guys, where when we were playing a game against Orlando, you know, the shots weren't falling, but we were kind of hanging around. And I said, if you want to be taken seriously as a contender, you got to pull, find a, figure out a way to win these games. And they didn't against Orlando, granted, but when it all started to break down against Chicago, found a way to win. When it looked like they were going to blow it against an undermanned New Orleans team, found a way to make a couple shots and win. So, and I think we will see it get figured out. You know, the team's still figuring out things like we, uh, you mentioned Kemba Walker. He's still kind of getting comfortable in the offense. So, you can only imagine what's going to happen once he gets fully comfortable in the offense. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on, but uh, I want to move on to an individual, a couple individual player things here. The first of which is the second year maturation of Obi Toppin, which has been, uh, he, now he didn't really do much last night, you know, in fairness, but this week, especially he's just kind of shown to be this kind of an impact player. You know, he's, he's just really, cemented himself kind of as this key piece off the bench. And I think last week uh, we were talking about how Derek Rose is like the sixth man off the bench. He's like the first guy off the bench, probably more, their most important bench player. And then you're wondering who's the seventh guy. Is it Emmanuel quickly? Is it Obi Toppin? Or even is it somebody like Alec Burks, right? You, you're kind of wondering who's that, that second most important bench player. And increasingly it seems like the answer to that question is Obi Toppin. And he's, doing it offensively he just you know just being super aggressive and initiating fast breaks he's doing it defensively as well um so what have your guys's uh takeaways been on ob so far you know six games into the season it is is his uh, is defending that's, that's impressed me the most actually because he was in a pretty much a zero last year on, uh, on defense but his um his offensive skills have been have always been there. Um, he's just maybe lacked a little bit of confidence, a little bit of kind of uh, maturity and and things last season. But as you as you know, you know he's the end of last season. He was really coming on, and then he's had his full preseason. And you can see you can see the difference in that. Is I mean we talked we've talked about this in previous pods, but just just his confidence and his his aggression and. And when he when he's in when he's in full flow um, in transition, he's 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 hard to stop, you know. And he's he's an incredible finisher, which I didn't realize before. Some of some of the layups he got this week were just, just beautiful, absolutely stunning. Um, but I'd, I'd like to point out as well in the Sixers game, it was my it was actually my moment of the week was when he got a, a block over the back of uh, Andre Drummond. I don't oh know yeah, if, I don't know if you remember. that was amazing. 
tremendous satisfaction from from seeing that guys. <laughs> Detroit's finest. Uh, yeah, no, I'm really really enjoying uh, Ovi at the moment. Long may it continue. But yeah, um, yeah, he's de- he's definitely gone ahead of of quickly off the bench. Isn't he? We mentioned that, that quickly was kind of losing it. Quickly, I think he's improving. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, just yeah. to give it a shot, he's improving, finding his uh, rhythm. I, I I like seeing him play. He's getting to the paint as well. Uh, okay, back to Obi. Not the... <laughs> Obi. Uh, I don't know if you guys picked it picked it up. I I noticed it, but um, Ariel Pacheco um, said it as well that uh, in the last three games, Obi has uh, blocked the three. Friend of the pod, Ariel Pacheco. Yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he was on an episode. We 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 recorded. Go go see it. Go watch it. Okay, so he blocked three pointers. I mean, Obi last year he wasn't doing that. Like Alex said, he was those flybys. He he well basically he he fly he flown by a, a, a three point shooter and then he flown to the bench. Basically, that was uh, his uh, his role last year. Now he's playing great. He's he's staying up with guards defending them. Well, he's he will get more minutes like this. Basically, Tibbs will Tibbs is maybe smiling at him. Yay! He's defending. Yes, we did it. I have I have done my job, and it is amazing. His offense is well. What I hoped it was is uh, those finishes, man. He force finesse. It's amazing. I love Obi Toppin as well. In this like new Knicks offensive scheme now, which is like, all right, guys, don't hate me for saying this term but very Houston Rockets-esque from a few years ago in the sense where everything is either from three or at the rim. He's like the ideal player that you kind of want in that situation, right? Because he's a rim running, you know, big who could, is a great lob threat, great finisher. Like you mentioned, Alex, his, his layup package is kind of underrated, you know, for, for a big guy, you know, he's, He's, I mean, I wish he, him and RJ would work together on uh, doing that, but, you know, but, but he's like, he's, he's taking the contact, finishing, getting to the line. He, the three point shooting while not elite is good. You know, it's not terrible, but it's gotten a lot better. So that's a player that you love to have in the modern NBA. Like Alex, before the pod, we were talking about the uh, Kings Mavs game and we were talking a little bit about Rashawn Holmes. You know, same thing, you know, big who could score inside, but could also score outside. And that's what you want. But the big takeaway, of course, has been the defense. You know, it's he's showing that he could be a shot blocking threat. And there have been moments where he's been matched up on like wing players, like uh, the first game against Boston. There were a couple of moments he was matched up uh, through rotations on on uh, Jalen Brown. And like he contended him, you know, pretty well, you know, without fouling, which is something that we need to see more of him. Like we mentioned in previous episodes, just becoming more of that versatile type defender where, yes, he can guard big men, but also when needed, he could guard a wing player as well. One thing I I do want to mention on Obi before we move on to Kemba is how great is it, Rafa, you might mention this on last week's pod, how great is it to hear Mike Breen say – Alley-oop to Toppin! You know, it just it just sounds, like, so great. You know, so yeah. quickly rising up my uh, my ranking of great Mike Breen sayings. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing tops bang, of course. But, you know, it's, it's saying alley-oop to Toppin is nice. For, I, I, I mentioned this on, on, our, um, on our Zoom the other night, but the uh, from way downtown, still, I, I, I almost like that better than bang. I, I, I love a, 
and Gringo's oh, way downtown <laughs> is a classic. Down. Yeah, that's a yeah. classic. And, and yeah. I know it's I know it's an, 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 an old thing, but I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> I love it. We're maybe going to talk about this in a bit more detail, but just the 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 bench unit in general, uh, just with uh, Obi. I think the way that our bench unit's so set and it's so dominant at the moment that because we're coming up against when we come up against the real elite teams a lot of these elite teams will have five starters that are on heavy money and they they obviously have a very weak bench those elite teams but uh, come playoff time those those that starting five is enough to kind of dominate in, in the playoffs but in the regular season when when you need 10 players the the kind of weaker benches of these elite teams are where we can we can really thrive you know that i think what you have to do is just the start our starters have to kind of just hold on against these elite teams and then as soon as that bench is in they're just going to dominate some of the teams we've played so far are a little bit deep uh, quite deep as well in the same way we are but i think when we come up against somebody um i think like you know, kind of Lakers or somebody like that, where they've got very, very um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn would be a good yeah, one. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, I think you know you just have to kind of hang on when the starters are in, and then yeah, just let people like Obi go to work. You know, and well, let's talk about the bench real quick because you probably won't have an opportunity to with the next two topics. Mm. Uh, one thing I kind of want to bring up is I said it earlier. I think we have the best bench in the league. Like, who's like, where everybody, Nick fans are like killing Alec Burks right now, right? Like, oh my God, this guy is garbage. You know, get him out of here, get Quentin Grimes minutes, blah, blah, blah. Alec Burks is like off the bench in, you know, about 17 minutes a game, getting you eight points a game and shooting 40% from three. You're trying to tell me other teams wouldn't kill to have an eight point per game, 40% shooter from three, given real good minutes, around 15 to 20 minutes a game. They would love that. And, yeah. And, like, of course, Todd Gibson has just been playing like a man possessed. He's, like, found the fountain of youth. It's crazy. He's, like, out hustling guys 10 years younger than him, you know, for offensive rebounds and, you know, contesting. Like you mentioned when we played Philly uh, and Embiid, you know, Todd was actually, you know, checking Embiid as well. And even though he gave up quite a few inches to him, he held his own. And this bench unit is just is, – is incredibly good and is going to be one of the big reasons why we have success this year. Two things from the from what you said. First of all, basically people are going to target Burks because they have to target someone because they're going to target target Burks because it's oh it's Burks is playing so there's no McBride or Grimes. Basically that's it. He's going to get targeted, and everything he does uh, he will get targeted. The other thing is, and I was uh, I saw myself today at work instead of working thinking about this. Well, it's the Knicks, so yeah, they beat it. Noel is returning. Who's coming off? Is Taj coming off? I think it's Taj. We've talked about yeah. that, Rafa. I think it's Taj. after after that. No minutes for Taj after what he he did. I don't. I don't know. No, I, I can see. I can see Taj being saved for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, he's he's going to be so he's going to be so important when the when the real games happen that you know we can afford to kind of keep him almost as a player coach and keep him on the bench and just. You know he's going to get his minutes here and there, but I think yeah, it'll be his minutes will hit be hit the most. I think. 
he's the obvious choice if, uh, if we pl were playing Mitch and if he's, he stays healthy. Uh, almost gave me a heart attack the other night with the shoe. And if uh, Noel in Noel returns and plays in the level he played last year, yeah, I don't see Taj playing. Maybe if we want to defend like crazy, maybe Taj at the four. I don't, and I don't see that happening because Randall and Obi. I think what you'll see is, I hate to use this this cliche Tibbs phrase, but you'll see Taj <laughs> in in situational defensive situations and stuff. Like here's what I mean: Noel Six or seconds. Mitch have foul trouble. Uh, that'll be a situation where you see Taj. If they're playing a big who maybe plays more on the perimeter, that as opposed to that bank, like, all right, I'll give you an example. Say so you're playing Dallas and you want somebody to cover Porzingis, right? You you have Taj in there as opposed to Noel as much, right? Because yeah. Noel's terrible on the perimeter. We all know that. We saw we saw what happened when in, uh, in the playoffs, you know? So, and then that's where you would bring Taj in because Taj is a, not a lockdown perimeter defender. No. I, I, we could all agree Mitch is the best of the three in terms of guarding on the perimeter. But uh, I think you'll see Taj in those type of situations. But again, to Alex's point, you want to save him for the playoffs. You know, you, you need that, that intensity in the playoffs, especially like if Mitch and Noel just doesn't have it. Yeah, exactly. All those years in Chicago, you know, going having deep runs in the playoffs. So uh, I think that's, that's probably the plan. And again, player coach thing. Experience and yeah. some somebody that tips trusts, you know. Exactly. Same thing with Rose, right? Playoff times. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they're tips, guys. Yeah. Exactly. All right, let's move on to uh, Kemba Walker. So Kemba started off a little rough first few games, but you know he seems like he's gotten a lot more comfortable. He's uh, shooting fifty eight percent for three, which obviously it's only six games, but by far a uh, the highest efficiency of his career. The previous high was. Back in his Charlotte days, he ended the season shooting 39.9% from three. So the shooting has been there for, for Kemba, and you know, which has led to just a better overall offense. So, you know, what have you guys made of uh, of Kemba so far, or from this past week, I should say? Yeah, I mean, it seems like when he shots in the air, you 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 just kind of trusting that it's going in. Do you know, it, it just looks so beautiful in the air and yeah you're just so confident just given these percentages at the moment which as you said they're not going to last but just right now it just he just seems so comfortable and you know it's probably it's probably quite a kind of difficult thing you know coming back to New York and you know the the, the whole thing about that you know he's it's just taken him a couple of games to get going that's all um, probably tips tip system is is quite different to what he's played before so yeah, it's just taking a bit of settling in, but it's not it's not taking that long at all. The his his defense as well, which has come along nicely. Yeah, he's, he draws charges, but sometimes we we've talked before about how you know blocks don't necessarily mean that you're a great defender. Same with charges, you know, you you, you pick up a charge here and there, doesn't mean you're a great defender. But the rest of his defending is is pretty has been pretty sound the last couple of games as well. He certainly puts the effort in. He's chasing about, and yeah, I mean he's he's not a he's not a negative and 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 uh, defender now. You know he's not he's not a great defender, but he's certainly those first few games he looked dreadful uh, defending. But he's got he's got himself to a point where where he's not like a. You don't have to um, really protect him in the same kind of way that we, we, we thought that he might have to be, um, which if he can do that, then 
that frees frees defenders up uh, for other areas. So yeah, no, he's 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 looking great. I'd just like to point out as well in the Bulls game, I was I was laughing. The I don't know if you remember that he actually. Um, I, I know Vucevic is is not a good defender at all, but he 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 backed down Vucevic in the in the paint. I don't know if you remember that and got a layup. Vucevic <laughs> just let him do it. How mad did he look? By the way, in that game, he looked like an old man. Yeah, I swear yeah. to God. I, I've been meaning to watch that game again just just to see if I, I maybe imagined that. Like it was, <laughs> you <laughs> dreamed it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Kim, I'm glad Kemba's hitting his shots. I mean, he won't he won't have uh, better looks than he ever did in, and uh, he will have here better looks than he ever did in uh, in in Charlotte because in Charlotte there was a most of the time it was a one man crew, and it was him trying trying to shoot over everybody and he's here he was getting uh, he will get open shots uh, or Randall passing him or Fournier passing to him or uh, RJ like we saw in this uh, last game RJ finding him in the corner and everything he he needs to find his uh, his game he's no longer there that maybe that Cartier Kemba is going to attack the paint and dribble over everybody he's a shooter he may, he may he's there he's a shooter he can still penetrate we saw him penetrating and uh, lobbing the ball to 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 Mitch which is awesome to see as well it's i'm glad that he's uh improving his uh, game i mean he will have a game to, he won't ever shoot five games every he won't shoot five threes every game i wish but yeah he will uh, maybe have a r- rougher game but if he c- continues to show that effort on defense like alex alex said Effort is a uh, to me when you show effort on defense, it's I mean it's half the battle as well, mm-hmm. and him being on the floor with Mitch helps a lot because nobody's going to the paint with Mitch there because they won't go there. They look at the guns and say no, no, I'm not messing with that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but you but you mentioned about him not being cardiac Canberra anymore, but yeah, he, he also doesn't attack the attack the rim like he used to either. His yeah. game has changed, and and that probably frees up a bit of effort. You know a bit of energy so that he can give that extra bit of effort as well. So, yeah, he, he, he and that's maybe a little bit why he has you know he's taken a few games to get going. That he's you know he has had to adapt his game in the last few years just with all the injuries. The thing too is that it shows how starved we have been for competent point guard play because <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> we're just basically just saying. Like, oh, man, you know, it's so nice to have a point guard who could create a little bit off the dribble and hit some threes, you know, which is like the modern NBA. That's the standard, you know. And I think like in Chicago against Chicago, he was able to get in the paint at will whenever he wanted to. And he was able and he's he's always been a really good finisher, even being only six feet tall. He's always been a good finisher. But I kind of the impact he's had, though, I think is is directly reflective of the fact that right now we, uh, as of last night, I want to say, have the number one offense in the league in terms of offensive rating. And I think that's a lot to do, a lot to do with Evan Fournier, of course. We don't want to, you know, discount his presence. But also a lot to do with Kemba because so often last year, and this kind of dovetails the two topics together, you know, when Alfred Payton was at the helm, even though you, you only saw him towards like the middle to the end of the year getting 15 minutes a game, I mean, that was 15 minutes of bad point guard play. And now we have a situation where we have two guys who know what the fuck they're doing, you know, just basically, right? You know, like, no one's like, 
was just stepping away from Kemba and leaving him an open three. No one's same thing with Derek Rose. He's been shooting at a very high level this year as well. And they yeah. both are quick and can get to the rim and they're both ideal Tibbs point guards, you know? And so I think that has a big thing to do with, you know, the, the offense just being where it's at right now. But what do you guys, I mean, do you guys think that's a lot on Kemba? Do you think that's more scheme or where do you guys come out on that? Yeah. I mean, the, the point, I mean, it's, it's, it's no secret about the point guard situation in New York, but it's strange. I mean, not just, not just with Kemba, just with Rose as well, just having two guys that are, you can, you can rely on, do you know, the, you know, you know what they're going to give you. you, you know, that the, they've got all the experience in the world. And again, we, we talked about playoffs earlier with, with Taj, but the playoffs with Kemba and, and, and Rose as well, just having two competent, reliable, experienced point guards is going to be absolutely massive, I think. <laughs> the shots on Peyton. <laughs> reliable. I'm trying, not, I'm trying not to mention his name. Yeah. I've, 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 I've come almost close to defending them in the past. Again, the a little bit, I mean... <laughs> Let's just let, let's just give him a few seconds, okay? The uh, repeating that you know he's 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 never been that kind of dominant starter point guard, you know? Like, yeah. Again, I, I, I feel terrible criticizing Tibbs, but you're like Tibbs is putting him out there, you know? He's he's not doing anything that he's not done for his whole career, you know? So I don't I don't think it was all in Peyton. I mean, he's he's uh, I felt a bit sorry for him in the end. He was he was getting absolutely. Ripped oh, yeah. apart, <laughs> and his confidence was shot to pieces. But so you couldn't expect him to do a great deal. But yeah, it's just it's just nice to be suddenly where we are with with those with uh, Rosen Rosen Campbell. I think the offense flows better with uh, it's. I think it's uh, all that you uh, said, Omar. It's Kemba and Fournier and. That opens up the playbook and opens up the, the floor in a, in a magical way. Uh, how many times, for example, last year uh, or the, this last game when uh, RJ was decking the paint? Was decking the paint? The only guy on him was the guy from the pick and roll. Not normally, it was Graham was guarding him. And the, the big, uh, Val Valanchunas, mm. who was uh, killing us. Yeah. Uh, he he, he did better... Player, yeah, but he's not a great. I mean, he's not. And Bid didn't have a great game against uh, us, uh, Vucevic either. But Valanciunas had. Okay, but that's a new to, uh, that RJ thing that only attacking the, the attacking the paint and being able to finish on one defender instead of two or three. It's all come uh, comes down to spacing and what the the, the offense has because you, like you like we we mentioned we're not going to leave Kemba open on the three point line if they can defend it. So the Peyton they would leave. And pay, the, the defender could come and help much more than uh, than the guy uh, guarding Kemba or Rose, uh, who's shooting amazingly from three as well. So I think it, it all works out good. The, the, the three combined, the two players and the the, 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 the coaching staff making a, a, the plays around those players, it's, it works better. Yeah, and it just again, it just goes to show that how. How, again, how starved we were for good point guard play. You know, I'm just glad we have it now. Uh, you know, there's, a th there's like that, that thing in sports, right, where like it's a big thing here in American sports where certain franchises, they just can never get a position right. 
you know, whether it's, you know, it's like the Knicks point guard is one thing in hockey, like the Philadelphia Flyers can never get a good goalie for so many years. They have now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, so us and the Flyers, we're, we figured it out, man. You know, we're, <laughs> we're on the way up, but it's, it's just, I'm just glad, especially it's so funny because like basketball culture in New York is so dominated by point guards. You would think it'd be like a priority that New York's basketball team would have an elite point guard, but we just haven't, you know, for so many years. I mean, how many times like we're watching like Emmanuel Moutier and Chris Duhan run the point, you know, it's just like, Bad times. Well, now we have like these two all former all star players. It's just, yeah, it's a great thing to see. Well, remember that stat that I, I put in the chat. Well, I, I stole it from from uh, Tommy Beer, but the uh, that Melo was the the franchise leader in assists over the last fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's, it's been a revolving door. You know, that's that's yeah, the crazy, thing, crazy thing about it. All right, but enough of that depressing talk. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, We're five let's, and one. Uh, come on. <laughs> Let's move into uh, the one R.J. Barrett. Um, R.J. had, yeah, he had a great game last night. New career high, 35 points uh, against the Pelicans. And, you know, I don't know if you guys saw R.J.'s postgame after last night. You know, somebody had asked him about, oh, how's it feel? Get a new career high, 35 points. It's like, yeah, I was kind of trash defensively, so I definitely got to work on that. And I'm just like, man, I love this guy. This guy's Mm -hmm. great. You know, but uh, but he's made it a focus, right, to be an elite wing defender. He wants to be all defense. He wants to be considered, like, for defensive player of the year and stuff like that. I believe, uh, Alex, you are saying earlier that uh, Wasserman had a tweet that he had, had a league-leading defensive field goal percentage uh, of over 12 attempts per game. And you saw the, the last play against Chicago where he just locked down DeRozan you know, you saw how he was able to, you know, get in Jason Tatum's head. You saw, I mean, you see it over and over again. He's just me. He's making so many great defensive plays and even little stuff that people don't notice, you know, just like just bothering a shot, changing a trajectory, getting into somebody's airspace, you know, playing passing lanes a little bit, deflections, that kind of thing. And he's really turned it up to another level. So I know it's only six games, but you guys think, that uh, RJ's defense is real. Yeah, it, definitely. But just just quickly, I mean, last season they were actually it looked like they were heading the way of trying to turn him almost into a point guard because there was a lot of uh, trying to push the playmaking onto him. But he seems to have got this season. He seems to be going the other way, and he's, he's you know he's he's much more set at the three position. He's much more set about defending. But th- there's really. His three-point shots obviously improved immensely as well. There's there's not really a weakness in his game at the moment, other than you know you know his finishing, finishing at the rim. Yeah. yeah, especially on his right hand. And I, I was oh, don't want to say disappointed, but I was slightly disappointed in that that wasn't his real focus of the summer because that's the step back three, which was seemed to be something he was wanting to add to his game, and you know. It's it's the clear missing piece in, in his game right now. He could really really dominate. I think if he if he could if he could tidy that up, he can sometimes be a little bit kind of telegraphed and that he's always going left. But I mean, yeah, as 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 we always say, you know, he's he's so young and have that many assets to his game at the moment. It's just it's, it's just amazing for us, you know, and uh, it also keeps him under the radar a little bit because he's he's so good at so many. 
pieces. Whereas he's, I know his his defense is getting is getting the credit at the moment, but I don't know if he's like at the top top level of of anything, you know. But he's just so good at everything. I think he's getting more pushing down the kind of Jimmy Butler route, you know, where he's just super solid at everything. Just one of those guys that everybody needs on their team, you know, if you want to be a contender. Just does a lot of does a lot of the dirty work. And also just like like after after having Ario on the pod, you know, RJ's one of the guys that I'm now starting to look at off the ball. You know, when the play's going on, I'm just watching him and just kind of seeing he's he's, he's such a smart player, getting into great positions. And again, he's doing a lot of work that, that's going unnoticed. So really loving where he's going right now. But the points thing was 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 a bonus to me, but that's that's I don't think that's his game anymore. Uh, it'll come around every so often, but I can't see him being like a 20, 30 point a game scorer. Do you know now that he's at now that he's focusing on other areas of the or other areas of his game, so especially defense. I can see him being more of a, a scorer as well. Be get, getting a scorer, averaging maybe 20 points a game and still playing good defense. Because mm. I think it, I kind of think it's a really big deal that he develops that three point shot off dribble or a pull up or a step back. Because it, when, when we saw uh, RJ Barrett uh, uh, getting the screen, he was going to attack the rim or going to pass the ball because he, he wasn't confident enough on that shot. But we're seeing this year, we saw step back three, a pull-up jumper, uh, not only from three, but from mid-range as well. There was a play that there uh, against New Orleans, they, they blocked the, um, the screen. So he just okay, cut into the paint, left, right side of the paint, and just shot a, a, mid, a mid-range jumper and hit it. I think it opens up the, the way he can, uh, the people have to defend him. Because, okay, we don't know if he's going to pull up, if he's going to... To attack the rim, it opens up the way he can play, and that the the playmaking he showed last uh, last night as well. It was really good. That that pass to Taj was amazing. Because mm. Valanciunas was a was a whole was a okay. He was a he burned Valanciunas one two or three times, just attacking the, the rim and finishing on him. Uh, and that Valanciunas committed to him, and okay, Taj is open. Just went behind him and passed and passed the ball. It was uh if he can like you said if he can get uh, get good. Uh, at any everything, he will be a tough guy to stop as well. And he, and we know that RJ has his uh, poor shooting form. Sometimes he does, can hit a a barn, but uh, if he the shot is dropping, he gets his confidence. I think he could be a really dangerous player on both sides of the floor. If you know the the absence, you know hits his ceiling, RJ in his career, he kind of models his game maybe on somebody like Kawhi, and that he's you know he's an absolute <laughs> no. It's I'm okay be, with that. At, yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. make that analogy, I but I I thought it was too much, and you went ahead and did it for me. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm delirious with, with tiredness right now, so I'm going I'm I'm going for it. <laughs> but the uh, Kawhi was obviously started off as you know he was a mainly a lockdown defensive player, but he added the offense to his game once that defense was was there you know super solid so yeah i mean there's there's no reason not to kind of reach for the uh reach for the the the, the absolute elite players do you know why not yeah why not then if he comes up a bit short then he's uh yeah he's jimmy butler he's not quite i'm just gonna I mean, go ahead and say again remind everybody at home that rj Barrett is 21 years old okay <laughs> well here's a comp 
what if he became like on the low end we're saying here like we i think we all all three of us we kind of think that rj's potential is like massive right like he has just that great potential to be a great player in this league i mean what if he is something like a chris middleton type you know middleton could score you 20 points offensively and he's not easy he gets you steals and his Actually, Middleton has a pretty decent defensive win share statistic as well throughout his career, especially since he got to, you know, started got into a more prominent role in Milwaukee. But uh, so, I mean, that could be RJ's trajectory. I think right now, a lot of people are downplaying him because, I think, Ralph, you've said this a million times, he's not a flashy player and it's, he doesn't, you don't see him on a million highlights. Like last night, he dropped 35, but it just, it was so natural that it didn't feel like you were watching something tr- that tremendous of somebody yeah. dropping 35, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, he, that was a good move. And now he, he, he took the shot that was there and all of a sudden he has 35 points, you know, <laughs> and then he's just like, Oh, okay. And I feel like we're so like earlier, we talked about Randall and Randall being the, you know, the, is he enough? Is he, you know, the best player on the championship team? And we all know the answer is no. And the question is, is like, do you do you think RJ is going to become that, you know, because, you know, players don't really hit their the, the peak of their powers really until they're like 25, 26 normally. So we're think we're looking at him now at age 21. Uh, what's it going to be in a few years? You know, what's he going to look like in a few years? Is he going to be a guy who's dropping 20 to 25 a game and still bringing it defensively like a Kawhi, like a Jimmy Butler? Is he going to be maybe focused more offensively? That's the big if with this team for me. It all hinges on RJ. Yeah, RJ is going to be the face of your franchise moving forward. And one thing that I noticed is like all the other Nick players, they see it. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that soundbite from Kemba. I can't remember if it was this past week or the week before where RJ was having like a little bit of a rough game. And he Kemba goes to him. He's like, I don't know if you realize how nice you are, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) like you're really good, you know, and, you know, Kemba has been around the block. He's seen a lot of basketball in his day, a lot of players. So, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about. You know, Julius Randle's always propping up RJ, always talking about RJ. Tibbs always talking about RJ. They see it. You know, I just think sooner rather than later, the rest of the league is going to see it. And I think last night, granted, you know, you take a little bit of a pinch of salt, New Orleans was decimated. You know, they didn't have their two best players out there. And their backcourt isn't anything to write home about defensively. And But still, he was able to get his shot and do it efficiently hit the threes get to the rim and i just i just i have the longest leash with rj like he could have a game where he scores seven points i don't give a shit because he's going to make up for it defensively for one and he's 21 fucking years old okay i'm not i'm not gonna hold one bad game in november october against him because i think this guy's the future of this franchise with that being said what do you guys like based on what we've seen through six games, what are you guys expecting from him the rest of the way? The rest, the rest of the season, or the rest? Yeah, of yeah like the rest of the season, not the rest of his career, just this season. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always thought like as soon as he was drafted, I was like, this guy's never going to be, you know, he's going to have a really high floor. But if we're talking about this season, I, I think just kind of more the same. I, th- I think concentrating on defending, improving that that finishing around the rim. And if he has games where he's not, you know, shooting under 10 points or whatever, as you said, Omar is spot on, you know, 
forget about it, you know, just move on. He's going to have games like he did the other night where he's getting 35 points. He's going to have games where he's shooting under. But, you know, he's got people to pick up the slack. You know, we've seen this this week and this season that, you know, every, every almost every game somebody else is starring. You know, I, I think that's just the way the team's going to be this year. Just not going to have that one guy taking us down the down the stretch, you know, in in the every single game. So, I, th- I think you know that should just allow him to relax, to to develop naturally. He's got great support around him. We already mentioned Kemba. I th- yeah, I, th- I think just take the pressure off him. Just let him let him go. You know, he's he's yeah. I, th- I think just just kind of more of the same. Just don't put pressure on him. Just just let him go. And he he's he's naturally competitive. He's he's, he's completely driven do you know I don't think if we take the pressure off him he's not, he's not going to develop he's got that in him you know he's, he's got that fighting spirit in him that he's going to get better every day yeah I absolutely agree with uh, both of you what you said he he's young he will you know, only get better he will this season he will probably focus more on defense getting that defensive side of the game uh, uh, in his game because supposedly he was a terrible defender coming off of college He was so bad defensively. I, I can confirm that he was not very good at Duke. I mean, yeah, no, I, 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 was that was that not more because that was just the way the team played? I mean, like absolutely, there's, a, yes. there's supposed to be high school reports where that, that says he's, he's he's a brilliant, well, not a brilliant defender, but he's got he's got all the attributes to be a great defender. But I just think the way that he was at Duke that that was just it was just all out attack where yeah, him and you know and and. You know, it was all it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a show, you know, that took that he had three lottery picks on that it. team, and you know, so that's you always want to showcase those guys. So yeah, yeah he, he didn't he didn't really get to show his is is that other side of the game. Yeah. He's the beginning of third of the his third season, and he's defending like this. So I'm perfectly fine with him defending and getting better at it. And offensively, I think he will have his uh, moments during this season, like Fournier had. And we'll have again. Randall will do it in Kemba and uh, probably a Mitch game. I'm hoping like 30, 20 <laughs> stats. Um, we'll we'll Chamberlain numbers over there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you'll get it. You will only improve. I'm excited with the future. If Rj Barrett stays with the New York Knicks, I'm excited with for our future. Whatever happens, if we have Rj, I'm good. And yeah. uh, just a point, just a point out that Kawhi. At 21 was only 11 points uh, a season. So. Oh, exactly. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't get over 20 until 20, 24. <laughs> 24, he got over, he got over uh, 20 points a game. I mean, when <laughs> Kawhi started, he had, he had Tim Duncan scoring. He had Ginobili scoring. He, I mean, he was the guy helping the defense. Mm-hmm. And the first time they, they the Spurs lost against the Heat, Kawhi was there defending, but the next time they won it, Kawhi was better offensively, and he then was the the best player on the team and left Toronto and won a title. I mean, the funny thing is, people are acting like two-way players just grow on trees, you know, yeah. and like that's what like RJ critics sound like. Like, oh, we could easily replace him with somebody better. Like, do you guys not understand like how rare it is somebody who could drop 20 at any point? And you know, RJ's that guy, you know, he's. I think this year's averaging about 17 a game. And so that means you're close to average to getting 20 points every night. And he's showing that he's making strides into being a, an elite defender. And those guys don't just grow on trees. They don't, they don't just happen to show up every year. 
So that's why whenever there's like RJ trade speculation, I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that garbage because (laughs) we're not, you're not trading him. He's getting another contract next year. We know that they're going to, what that number is, who knows? I don't care. It's worth it. You know, this is the type of guy he's, he's, he, he's just handles New York so well, you know, and that's kind of like my final point I wanted to do before we move on to the next thing is that so many guys wilt under the, uh, the pressure of New York. You know, where like RJ, cool, cool at all times. You know, he's just, he never like gets out of pocket, never too high, never too low. You know, he, that's just the type of guy you want in New York. He's a hardworking dude who's productive and knows how to handle, you know, idiots like Mark Berman, you know? So, <laughs> you know, shout out Mark Berman, but <laughs> not a friend of the pod. Um, so, um, NB. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I want to uh, move on to the last part here, uh, which is looking ahead to next week. Only three games uh, next week. There is a game on Sunday. We're probably going to record our next episode before that game. So oh, yeah. uh, Monday, we have the Toronto Raptors, and that's at MSG. The Wednesday, traveling to Indiana. And then Friday, traveling to Milwaukee. So... Uh, what do you guys think? You know how uh, how's the team gonna gonna fare in these um, next three games? Mm-hmm. My first thought was two and one. Raptors is a strange one. Raptors have been a bit up and down. Um, it's a hard yeah. one to call, but I can see us matching up quite well there. Pacers we've seen in preseason. I don't think there's anything hugely to be scared of with the Pacers. And the Bucks are the Bucks. So they've started poorly, but. Yeah, they're the champs. So they're the Bucks. I would, yeah. Be specific, I would say probably the Bucks game would be the one we drop and pick up the other two. I don't know if we're going two and one because okay, I'm thinking the Toronto game we have to win the Toronto game. Okay, but even at Indiana, it's like the same thing we said last week with the Bulls game. We can pick that up, but since the game is in Indiana, might be a tough game. Gary's Levert is getting back. He's, he played well last game. Uh, I don't know how, ma- how much of an impact we'll have in this, in this game against us. But with Indiana and Milwaukee, I, th- I think it's a bit, bit of a coin toss. Where we can match well against both teams. I believe we can match well against the Bucs. I don't care. Bring Giannis. I don't care. <laughs> oh. So if, uh, if, if I'm Come on, man. Is- is RJ going up against Giannis? <laughs> man, if we're comparing RJ Barrett, yeah, man, we're comparing <laughs> RJ Barrett to he's healing this Kawhi Leonard. Come on, he's going to guard Giannis. Yeah. Probably get dunked on a bit, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex, I agree with you. I think two and one sounds about right. Um, the Raptors are still a young team. You know, they're they're getting Scotty Barnes still getting kind of initiated into the offense there. And he's looked great, but he's still kind of getting his feet wet uh, as a as an NBA player. Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, is kind of uh, trending towards fire sale mode by the trail by the trade deadline. So I feel like that's an incredibly winnable game. The Bucks game is is the big one, right? You know, you're you want to show that you're you're for real against a team like the Bucks, who just won the championship who is favored to be at, at worst a two or three seed in the conference. So uh, I'm going to say two and one, uh, obviously, you know, we always hope for undefeated. We always want the Knicks to win every game, but if, if we do drop one this week, I, I want to say it's going to be against the bucks. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see what happens. 
To kind of close some things out here, though, I want to... Yeah, by the way, Pacers are one in five currently, so and not good. And not six. Good. Oh, what, they lost when, it again tonight? The Well, no. What? It appears on the NBA. Is, I was seeing it. They were one in six. They're, they lost to, to Toronto last night. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. They one in six. six. I didn't not know... To be fair, I didn't know they were one and six because uh, I mean they have got Sabonis, who's better than Julius Randle. So uh, I thought yeah, I thought they would Sabonis, be Sabonis uh, tore up the league uh, last night with a, a scorching one for seven from three. So that was uh, that was pretty good. Uh... I mean, yeah, okay, uh, uh, may I can change that to two and one, maybe. Sorry, yeah, well... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a chance that the the Raptors get one from us, though. I mean, uh, the the Raptors have always played the Knicks very tough, and you know, for a long time we couldn't beat them. You know, so but they don't have Valanciunas anymore. So sure, sure. You know, we don't have to deal with them anymore. So as um Alex mentioned last week, we have started to do this little fun thing between us, where we kind of handpick ten games for all of us to pick every week. And just straight up, who's going to win? No point spreads or anything like that. And last week we made our picks and, uh, you know, we, we got the results in. You know, Alex, how did we do out of the 10 games that we picked? So. <laughs> um, Embarrassing. Let moments. me hear it. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Come on. Let me hear it. I, w- I was just enjoying the fact that uh, about the, the the predictions for the week and, and uh, I managed to convince you, Rafa, to change your to two and one now so you you were actually looking at looking at my picks thinking yeah that guy knows what he's talking about i'm gonna follow him <laughs> it was omar it was yeah. omar it was omar <laughs> oh, right. yeah i only yeah i got three out of the three out of the ten uh games correct <laughs> um uh, omar you got six. Oh, so you got five five out of ten correct and um rafa you got six so yeah in your defense First couple weeks of the NBA, it's a crapshoot. You, you like you got teams like, no. um, not no disrespect, but hey, you didn't know, I you get did... seven? I got seven. No, well, you get you, you get seven the bonus points. Point. You get you get the bonus point. Yeah, you so basically, guys. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. the bonus point. Look at me yeah, look, yeah. looking like a de- an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Like at one point, like the Hornets were undefeated and, you know, nobody yeah. is expecting the Hornets to be much more than a 500 team, you know? So uh, the, the first like couple weeks are wacky. Like you'll see a situation where like, you know, the magic or the magic beating the Knicks, you know, that's, that's a perfect mm. example. You know, it's just excuses, had, man. Hey man, you, you're good on you <laughs> for getting that many, right. That, I, I, that's all I'm going to say. Well, all three of us went for the, uh, the Bucks beating the T-Wolves and uh, they, uh, they won. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, Minnesota's look good. Uh, they've looked really good uh, to start the year. They are, uh, I mean, they're three and two, but you know, they're, yeah, yeah I mean, kind of by two goals stand, I think they're like, I think they were three and one uh, before last night. So, but yeah, so, okay, that is going to uh, wrap us up here. We will be updating the tally of uh, how we do throughout the year. You know, so, if you have a prediction of who's going to end up, you know, on top by the end of the year, by all means, and let get- us know. And get our charity bit going as well. So we need to get yeah, that's going coming well. coming up this week probably. Uh, where we're gonna get our our charity bets going for the accumulator slash parlay bets uh, to and hopefully win some uh, money to donate to the Garden of Dreams Foundation. So we're super excited about that. Uh, thank you again, guys, for checking out the podcast. You we are available on all platforms now. You will notice this week we have a little bit of a different cover art. 
we just wanted to shout out who did that. Our good good friend of the pod, uh, <laughs> Fraser Colet, our uh, our good friend uh, Fraz. Uh, he also wanted to let you know that he got the images from for this from the official New York Knicks uh, Twitter uh, social media page. Uh, if you are on Twitter, you can also follow us at WW Knicks Podcast, where we live tweet games and you know talk about and retweet uh, bad Knicks takes and good Knicks takes from journalists and fans alike. So definitely go ahead and give us a follow. Check us out. Again, that's at WW Knicks Podcast. And we're available on all spot, uh, all platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So definitely subscribe, rate, and share the podcast with your friends if you like what we got here. Uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Worldwide Knicks, episode eight. And we'll catch you guys next week. Go Knicks! <laughs>